Hi everyone, before we jump into today's episode, a word of warning. In our discussion about Kendrick Lamar's newest album, we reference a song that uses derogatory language that we chose not to censor. We do not condone any malicious use of this language, we simply reference the lyrics during our discussions. We hope you understand and that you enjoy our latest episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Even Score podcast, a podcast about soundtracks and scores from movies, TV shows, and video games. I'm your host, Don, and I'm once again joined by my co-hosts, Anthony and Jason. Hello to you both. Hi, neighborinos. Hey, you two. We are back from our three-part TV theme song bracket challenge, which kind of bridged the gap between season two and season three of our show. And we are going to be jumping right back into a brand new season, a whole slew of topics for our listeners and for us to discuss. But the same structure will still apply as usual, because we will, of course, begin with our normal what you're listening to, which I think is going to be quite interesting because it has been quite a while since we actually officially recorded an episode. Uh, For full disclosure to the listeners, I think it's been about two months since we recorded our theme song bracket challenge and we've been back and forth with some topics and thinking about what we're doing but we haven't actually just talked about what we are all listening to recently so let's go ahead and jump into it before we get into our main topic of which today will be a lovely conversation about pokemon so if anybody wants to go ahead and jump in with their what what you're listening to by all means well i can start because i've been a bit of a concert slut the past couple weeks like oh naughty oh yeah i was like uh so i the last concert i went to was to go see peaches um who is the like electro punk toronto artist queer du jour and i was there with my friend mike and he was like oh yeah this is the first concert i've been to since you know the pandemic you know 2020 or even 20, 2019. And I took stock and I was like, oh my God, this is my fifth concert since March. <laughs> so, yeah, I like, uh, I think the main thing that I can say I've been listening to is a lot of live music. So, which has been really wonderful. I'm a huge concert fan. I'm a, I just love live music. I love going to venues. Probably my second, like next to movies, was uh, venues that we lost in the pandemic. So, I thought I'd just give you a rundown of some of the concerts that I've been to in the past couple weeks and some of the live music that I've been listening to. Um, so, I'll go from reverse order, starting from this past. Friday when I went to go see the one and only Rebecca Black. Ooh, very nice. <laughs> so, and not even ironically, I actually went there because I enjoy Rebecca Black's music. She released an EP uh, last year in the pandemic, and it was really good. It's uh, all about her discovering love, and she came out of the closet, and she's got a big crush, big old lesbian crush on some girls. And uh, so, yeah, I had a great time at Rebecca Black, and she did end the show with Friday, and it was on a Friday. So the whole place lost their mind, and it was pretty funny to see everybody, like, really getting into it and really being there for an artist. Then two weeks ago, I went and saw um, one of my favorite Canadian artists, if not my favorite Canadian artist, which is Sarah Harmer. 
And this is a concert that I had been, I bought tickets to this concert in 2019. Uh, and it was finally, it finally happened on the May long weekend, the May 2-4 weekend. And she's a folk artist, uh, kind of like uh, pop indie, not even pop. She's kind of her own little folk. She's very slow, very like so beautiful and sings about the environment. And I just love Sarah Harmer so much. So that was probably one of my most anticipated that was my most anticipated show of this year i would say a word every once in a while forgetting that some of it could be true That was a super fun time. Then previous to that, I went to go see, uh, oh, I mentioned P uh, Peaches. Uh, so I went to go see Peaches and that was a really amazing, I guess, queer show. She really like made it very out there and very like artistic. Um, and it was really, really a lot of fun. And there was a lot of people in the queer community I haven't seen in like two years. And so to um, bump into people at that show was so wonderful and so joyous and maybe remember why i really love going to like sex on the beaches what else is in the teachers of peaches so yeah that has been my like breakdown of what uh concerts i've been to in the last like say two months since i last talked to you guys you're a busy busy boy i know yeah and i have uh i think i just i've got another like four or five concerts lined up uh, probably over the next three or four months. Wow. Yeah, so it, it's back, baby. It's back. Live music is back. Anthony's in the world, kicking down the door. I know, right? That still seems so, like, I, I don't know. I can't totally wrap my head around that. But that's awesome, because I, I, too, enjoy concerts, and I wish I could be that brave, but at the same time, I'm like... You know, I'm excited about the concert I have lined up later this summer, and there's one that I'm, like, sort of on the fence about even sooner than that, but, you know, watching these uh, pandemic uh, things, flags go up again uh, for the summertime, and, you know, it's just like, eh, I don't... I totally hear you. And it's everybody's comfort zone, right? Like this is one of those mm -hmm. things that as we transition back and exactly, everybody has to make their own informed choice. Interestingly enough, uh, Sarah Harmer actually had a notice to say, please wear a mask during the concert. It wasn't mandated, but she was just like, listen, please, we're going on tour. Like we don't want to have to stop this. And so they asked everybody to mask up. And I would say, probably close to 80% of the audience, maybe even close to 90% of the audience was masked during the entire concert. And well, that's close nice. myself. Yeah, so I totally understand and respect each person's boundaries when it comes back to live events and, you know, getting back into spaces that were, for the last two years, we were told you shouldn't be doing that. So uh, I, I think it's really uh, great when artists, like even same thing with Peaches. I remember when she did her audience interactions. At one point she walked out into the audience and people were holding her up. She is masked. So like things like that, I was like, this is really wonderful. And I saw people masked at some of the events. I chose not to be masked at some of the events. So it was all personal choice and it was all kind of like figuring out where you are at. But I totally understand where you're at, and I'm excited, and hopefully your concert experiences are pleasant and safe. 
Well, I have to wonder if that's some of that Canadian nice that's like playing into that. Because I just, man, like even going outside now, it's it, masks are definitely the uh, minority for just about any activity. So it's like, I can only imagine what this concert in August is actually going to be like. But yeah, you know, I'll be wearing mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I definitely would chalk some of that up to differences in American and Canadian culture. Like, uh, that was, again, it was like a very compliant audience that I would say the majority of that audience was masked. Um, and that was all just by asking. So it is really interesting and it's really sad. It's, <laughs> right. Like, let's be honest. It's like, yeah. I definitely have been so excited, but I've also been, I also went through COVID. So that was also one of those things that I was like, it entered into my experience in life and, uh. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, let's not talk too much about COVID. Let's talk more about what you guys are listening to. So, kind of like you, uh, uh, well, your friend, I think you said Mike, um, it, it's probably been, I think the last concert we saw was just before, and not to talk too much more about the pandemic, no, no, but it's no. kind of hard not to, um, just before the pandemic really clamped down. Is that three marches ago? Yeah. A couple yeah, marches yeah. ago um, or whenever it's, you know, it started and we hadn't been to one since. What I've been listening to is good old safe, uh, <laughs> somewhat prophylactic feeling of uh, vinyl. So for me, I've been really grooving to uh, Moonchild lately. I finally got that album. Mm. Awesome. I had seen a physical copy of um, Terrence Martin's, uh, well, Terrence, but with like a whole bunch of other people, a dinner party uh, album. I will. I mean, I've heard some songs off of that, and I was like, "Wow, that's really a you know, that's really a bop." But uh, I never actually saw it physical, so like it kind of yoinked that. to my Herbie Hancock collection um, with uh, Feats Don't Fail Me Now. Uh, what else did I grab? Uh, kind of off the strength of one of the songs from Black Radio 3, um, I decided I was going to give uh, uh, Esperanza um, um, Spalding a whirl. So I grabbed one of her albums, which there's a lot about her style that I didn't really appreciate before then. It's an interesting album. I wish... I'd have to grab the song album title a little later, but um, that was pretty cool. I'm cupping your brim of the never-ending chalice In rushes, love's atmosphere But most, I, I would say most of what I've been listening to lately is that, that moon, uh, child. And I keep wanting to call it Moonstone because, like, I get confused between that and, like, this uh, uh, turntable cartridge that, like, you know, I got a while back. But, yeah, Moonchild, that album was really, really, it's it's been in pretty heavy rotation. And before that, you know, it was definitely a lot of uh, constant uh, playing of uh, Kendrick's last album before that that i'm not sure if i'm like starting to get into a space where like we actually did cover that in the last time we spoke <laughs> but um you know i've still been listening to stuff here and there and you know enjoying it so that's kind of where i'm at mm-hmm. 
I want to talk a little bit about Kendrick because that kind of bridges into the things I've been listening to. I I drifted myself for the first time into Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers myself, and it's the first any any of Kendrick's music that I've heard outside of. I know he did his his part of the the Super Bowl halftime show and like occasional here and there. So I decided to to drift myself into it and give it a go. And I know Jason, you were going to talk about it with the excitement of you're actually going to be going to see him in August. That was yeah, that was one concert that was like. Man, it was uh, kind of hair-raising to actually get a ticket to because it, it's – I don't know how long it took to sell out, but it, it sold out quickly. I mean, I jumped into the app thinking like, oh, okay, this isn't going to be too bad. But, like, every time I'm, like, trying to grab a ticket, like, something, you know, like, that gets snapped up. I'm like, oh, this is, like, really a – like, I got to bring my game face, like, for this. Um, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, got what I – think are pretty good seats but not like on the floor or anything like that because they were just way too expensive and yeah, but what was um, what, what's your thought of the album though i like it a lot for me it's it's a hard one to rank because it's really complex and i feel like kendrick this is like more of a you know hey forget you i'm doing and going to say exactly what i want to say on this album so like the you know it's not it wasn't really sculpted for like, you know, radio rotation or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of goes there on a whole bunch of different topics. And to me, it's it's a lot of maturity in not just him, because I mean, you know, he's always been pretty socially aware in his music or whatever. But I think it's I think it's a willingness to explore topics that really in hip hop don't tend to get as much attention, which I thought was really brave. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I've heard a lot about that. And the fact that you mentioned that, I was like, that's exactly what the discourse I've been hearing is that he is pushing discussions about hip hop that you don't hear a lot about. So, yeah, I don't know. Dom, what did you think of the album? Especially as your first, like, foray into Kendrick. Yeah, it's the the first time I've really jumped in. And it it kind of took me aback. And I kind of in my minimal reading about it and i believe the hiatus that he had between this album and his last one was like four years and we have an entire pandemic like between then and now so i don't know if he did a bunch of writing before and then the pandemic influenced it or if he did a bunch of just kind of inward like reflection or or just dealing with stuff and then wrote during the pandemic but i mean with a song like n95 and just how it kind of kicks off and just talking about a lot of really heavy stuff i i just wonder just from your experience jason if kind of and if the previous albums compare to this or if it's just a completely which it sounds like it is a complete departure from his previous stuff but i enjoyed it i enjoyed it probably more than I ever thought I would. And I was just really kind of, it it was, and it'll kind of bridge into what I've been doing with all the rest of the stuff I've been listening to. It was great to just kind of put on and like tune into as opposed to some of the other stuff I've been listening to, which is great zone out music and just kind of have in the background. So it was nice to have something to just really focus in on. And it seemed really heavy. It seemed like the stuff he was talking about here was just really weighing him down, and it was just nice to just burst forth and and put it out there. If that's an accurate in, interpretation of what I'm hearing, yeah, it is. In, in but it sort of isn't in a way too, because I wouldn't necessarily call this album like a huge departure. Like the album didn't surprise me. Kendrick seems like the first sort of person, the sort of artist, frankly, that's capable of this sort of thing. I guess what is different is that. 
unlike Dam or unlike To Pimp a Butterfly or whatever, and actually I won't say that there's nothing built for the radio. That isn't exactly true, but it's, I guess, whose radio is sort of yeah. like what like what you have to ask at a certain point. Because like I think Kendrick sort of knows his fan base really really well you know like there is a point in time this is a weird contrast but I'm, i swear i'll bring it home when alicia keys first came out she was like this virtuoso that like did amazing things with r&b that hadn't seemingly been done for a little while especially with the the emphasis on the fact that she could play the piano really really well right mm-hmm then after, I think it's two or three albums into her sort of, like, debut, she totally dumbs it down. Like, she went she went hard into the, like, I'm going to stay relevant and current and, like, keep up with, like, where young people are now instead of the folks that, like, really was like, oh, this shit's amazing when she first came out. I don't know if she's fully recovered. Like, for me, I, I my interest in her as an artist definitely diminished uh Mm -hmm. quite a bit after that i would say that this album from kendrick is kind of like the opposite it's sort of like a doubling down into the folks that really sort of get him yeah and it's he's not concerned whether or not it's accessible to top 40 radio whereas like it's almost like you're right like alicia keys was very concerned about top 40 radio and very like present but it's like yeah i feel like it sounds like kendrick is being kendrick (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. he's very confident in his core and who he is and i think that's one of the things i've always respected about him and i've kind of um i haven't spent a lot of time with him but i have definitely listened to his music so yeah i'm i'm excited to give the album a listen i think you'll enjoy it and there's some stuff that on there that's semi-controversial i i think to me as a straight guy i feel like it's much ado about nothing anthony i'd be interested to hear your take mm, on it yeah, um yeah. because some people, you know, applaud sort of like, uh, and I'm talking about in particular, um, uh, dang, what's the name of the track? Dang, which is, oh, Auntie Diaries. There we go. So, well, I wouldn't even say he's like a storyteller, but he can sometimes tell stories. And he sort of dials into this to talk about the fact that his auntie uh, uh, changed her gender. And actually, I think one of his cousins or something followed suit. You know, he, he oh. drops... I'm just reading the lyrics now, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's amazing. That's when my life had changed. House full of demos, smoke stuck on the window. Cameras on the microphone, all women and men know. My auntie was a man now. We cool with it. The history had trickled down and made us ignorant. My favorite cousin said he's returning. The, the way that he goes there. I mean, he drops the F-bomb quite a lot in the song, but it's not, to me, done in a way... It's sort of like reflecting on how careless and how loose he was with that word at a particular point in his life when he didn't understand sexuality sexuality the way he does now. That's That was my take. I, I suppose some folks can listen to the way he uses it and sort of like how it's woven in and be offended. I'm not going to say that that's right or wrong. I just say that I think I get where he was coming from and it didn't strike me as something that should be you know, uh, yeah, yeah, ex- excoriated too very much. Not everybody shares that opinion, so I'll just I'll put that out there. No, but- and but I could even I don't know. And this is where I'm like I respect Kendrick because I totally get what he's trying to say with the f bombs. But then at the very end of the song, when he's like 
faggot, 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 we can say it together, but only if you let a white girl say ninja. <laughs> so I'm like, right there, he's basically summing up the point, which is like, sure, like, if we're going to use words, then let's talk about, uh, like, anyway, uh, that's why I like Kendrick, and I wouldn't take that as offense. But yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting narrative that he went and chose. I'm like, immediately, I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah, I want to see what Kendrick's experience with their uh extended family transitioning like i want to see what he's talking about and how that work plays out so but again it's not even that song sorry it's not even just that that song like if it was just that song you might think well okay he was doing it to sort of spark controversy but you know he's got another song where like he's talking about and actually i had to listen to it several times because i'm like are you talking about this from your own perspective of being like a, a sexual abuse survivor? Or are you talking oh. about this from somebody else's perspective? But either way, the fact that he went there. Sure. Um, pretty spectacular. And then even, you know, like another song that's gotten like a lot of attention uh, is this like, it's almost like theater and song where like, you know, this couple's going through this really really nasty argument you know but only to like end up in like makeup sex or whatever but the chick that's rapping with him who i later found out was actually an actress who apparently can rap really well like went there on this song and it's like you could hear from her almost like a level of complexity in her her rapping that was even different from kendrick's it's his song but like you know you could tell that she was bringing something a little extra to that. I don't know why you like playing mind games with me. Oh, Bitch, yeah. I ain't slow nor dizzy. I know when you being distant. I know when you fake dizzy. Get out your feelings and miss me with that reverse There's a lot of layers of this onion to sort of peel away and sort of dig into. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And that, that last one that you talked about, kind of, it felt very much like a serious take on kind of like you like you just said like the the audio drama it's almost like you were listening to a play that was being put on like that was that was happening kind of it it took me back a little bit to and it'll be a weird connection but adam sandler way back in the 90s when he did his comedy records and he would Mm. do like some really odd but more humor obviously more funny like word audio spoken word but obviously with the with this one there's a little bit of rap involved in there but yeah it was really that one kind of took me aback and it was just it it was kind of a a interesting wake-up call and then getting into the second disc and listening to something like auntie diaries or or some of the other stuff and yeah there are some pretty heavy topics within that i have no like not knowing him and not knowing his history i had no idea if this was stuff that had already been reflected upon or like what it was going but it did feel different like the the f-bombs felt different than the way that someone like eminem has been controversial in using it because he uses it what it seems like as an attack Uh, it is you are this so you are bad he's the worst with it (laughs) like salem's been going back and listening to a lot of eminem and stuff and i i like eminem i think there's like definite talent there but for the love of god he is so overusing it in a very like hateful way yeah and it just is so unnecessary anyway yeah. we don't need to detract onto that but but, but yeah that's yeah. what i was getting from this it, it felt i think i agreed with your take on it there jason it felt more introspective of this was my history this is what kind of rap has also been like there's been a huge history of being misogynistic, being homophobic, being whatever within the history of rap. Now I can kind of take a look at this and, and reflect. And language can be utilized in lots of different ways within lyrics and within just talking about it. So it's interesting just how he took it. So yeah, that was really interesting. But that was kind of at the the 
the tail end of the things that I was listening to, and it kind of was an odd sort of sequence. So since we uh, last recorded, um, my job, I've switched jobs recently, and I need music now to go through kind of some monotonous tasks with doing some of my work. Mm. So I've gotten into pretty consistent long play playlists on YouTube. And Mm. for me, the first thing that I started listening to was soundtracks. It was the first thing that I kind of jumped into. So the first one I grabbed was the Hunger Games soundtrack by um, James Newton Howard. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, was that? No. Yeah, James Newton Howard. Yeah. And so I was listening to those pretty extensively, really enjoyed getting into those. And then I just decided, well, I need to, to mix it up. I just don't want to listen to one like one subject matter throughout the whole thing. Because as, as we have known for like now three seasons, theme songs are not theme songs, but uh, soundtracks can get be, can be very thematic. They can be mm. kind of, it's the same sort of theme just played differently in different instances. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to mix it up. So then I started to look for playlists that kind of had just basically like internet radio, just trying to find things that I wanted to listen to that were calming that I could just throw into the background and not really focus on. And that's when I kind of stumbled upon, like there's that lo-fi hip hop radio channel that plays on YouTube. And it's just the girl with her headphones at her desk and her cats on the window. So uh, is yeah, that a girl? Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. I'm like, too. Is that a girl? That's I'm so like, funny. Yeah. I know exactly what that image is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah is, I mean, I, yeah, for some reason, I don't know. So I decided to drift back into that. I know it was huge for a period of time and then it just kind of like the image was everywhere and it had been parodied like to death, but I've drifted back into that. That led me into uh, more relaxing Nintendo music. So I found like an SNES and an N64 playlist of just like the best relaxing songs from a whole bunch of different games. So interesting. Then that's when I, like, when Kendra came out, that's when I started to drift into, all right, I want to listen to some albums. Really focus <laughs> yeah, on that's a pretty things. huge contrast. Yeah, big <laughs> shift. But yeah. as I was doing that, I stumbled upon this old video from uh, 2014, and it's from Power 106 in Los Angeles, a radio station. And it is something called Neighborhood Karaoke. And they basically bring in rappers and they talk about like whatever they're doing upcoming. And I think at this point, Busta had just done a rap with Eminem. I think it was Calm Down. And so they they put together this eight minute medley of just his best verses. And he does them live. And just the energy that Buster Rhymes brought to this really short sequence. And you could just see how excited he was getting with each one that they brought in. And they do this with a bunch of different ones. Like Ludacris does, does one. I think they did one with... Um, with Pharrell or Usher, one of the two I can't quite recall at the time, but it's hmm. it's so fun. And because we were talking about Busta Rhymes with our, our TV theme song bracket challenge with the Knight Rider sample, so I thought I could kind of tie it in there. And I just, I really enjoyed listening to that. And kind of, it was nice to drift from really sort of the standard stuff that we typically listen to, or I typically listen to with soundtracks and calming, then going into video games, and then just kind of 180ing the whole thing by getting into 
rap and hip hop and I was really enjoying it. So it was kind of a, a journey for me over the last two months since we last recorded. Can I give you more? Never give you less. Here it in the city, you can read it in the press. Do you really want to know what's next? See the way we own it and we all up in the race and you know we gotta go to try to keep up with the pace and we struggle in the hustle and the city and get it and you know we gotta do it to get to another place. Gotta taste it and I gotta grab it. I gotta cut all through this traffic to be at the top of the dome and I know we gotta have it. Now I was just going to say, in a way, that's kind of how I felt when I was listening to, um, in particular, the Esperanza Spalding uh, album, because it's still jazz. Like, I could still, at its core, I could tell it's still jazz. Mm-hmm. But her style seems to be, I noticed this right away, like, to weave a lot more rock into that, mm. which is a pairing that I don't think I'm very used to hearing. You know, I mean, jazz pairs with a lot of different things, but it's not very commonly combined with rock in any appreciable way that I can at least readily call to mind. And hearing her do that was like, it's one of those things where I know I'm going to have to listen to it a few more times to totally dig it. But it wasn't off-putting. It was just like, oh, that's that's an interesting twist. I would have never thought to do that. But her voice is lovely. But anyways, uh, nothing wrong with a little uh, shaking things up. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was that was good. That was a good of good catching up. And it some, was. We have some really good stuff yeah. listening to. Uh, Double Jason episode. I, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jason and I can live vicariously through Anthony as he goes out and braves the world in concert form. And yeah, it's been nice. It's. I think we needed a little bit of the break to just kind of catch up and refuel. And mm. with some changes and circumstances, I think we've had a really good conversation for quite a while here and probably one of our longer What You Listening To segments. But we're going to get into a really small topic for the next one that hasn't been around for 30 years at all. And we're going to <laughs> jump into our Pokemon discussion here just after a little bit of a break. So tune in for that. Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us after a lovely prolonged What You're Listening To. But we are going to jump into our main topic here, which is a discussion about Pokemon. So for those unfamiliar with Pokemon, where have you been living? <laughs> where do you what kind live? Of rock? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Starr living under a rock sort of deal there. Pretty much. Bottom, but, you mean but pocket yes. monsters? <laughs> yes, exactly. That is how it, it kind of started. Um, so we're talking about a franchise that has been around since 1996, created all by the Nintendo Corporation, specifically by Satoshi Tajiri, who had this love of catching bugs uh, as a youth and decided to turn that into a video game franchise that has spanned decades and billions of dollars and tons of different media uh, entities, not only video games, but popular music and movies and the most amount of plush toys you will ever, ever see. <laughs> but it is hugely, hugely popular. And it kind of, it, it came from a really in- innocent place. Like I mentioned, the creator there, Tajiri, he just, he was seeing a lot of urbanization in Japan and how kids were no longer playing outside the way that he did in his youth and he wanted to kind of turn that into a video game and he wanted to not have it be as violent as some of the other video games of the time so like pokemon don't bleed they don't die they faint and he just thought this was the way that he wanted just to kind of introduce his idyllic childhood into the world and i think the team that was put around him at nintendo uh once uh shigeru miyamoto uh mario's dad saw some promise in it and actually backed the entire project with nintendo uh, 
Um, a lot of the other people put around it were the same way. And the one of the main people that we'll talk about in this episode, and that's Junichi Masuda, who is the composer for all of the Pokemon uh, music. He had the exact same upbringing. So I think there was this kind of shared unified vision with Pokemon, which I think is a, a recipe for amazing things because look at where we are now. So we're going to take a little bit of a kind of a personal journey through this. Jason, I think you're going to kind of give us your history of your interactions with Pokemon. Anthony and I will do the same uh, as much as they can compare to to your kind of expansive history there. But uh, but yeah, I think we're going to have a good conversation about Pokemon and the different iterations and where it comes in. And I've got some questions for both of you later on as we get through it to kind of get a sense of what I should be expecting as I kind of drift into my burgeoning Pokemon fandom in, in oh. the video games. I know. I broke up my old DS and actually started playing. I'll get into that a little bit oh. later. But, oh wow yes it's nice to play on like era specific device so i'll talk about that when we get there though but jason i think it would be best to kind of kick off with you and to just get a sense of where you started with pokemon and kind of where you are now and what's uh what was the appeal well i mean to i was a gen oneer i mean i um i didn't have a game boy until actually i think I bought it specifically for Pokemon. I mean, what I can't remember exactly is what got me so hyped for it to begin with, because I want to say that, like, the cart, well, the anime, it, it wasn't like the anime had been on for ages and then, like, I started playing the video game. Like, I want to say if it wasn't concurrent, it was like, maybe the, the anime followed shortly thereafter. Like, so I think it was maybe just the lore, the advertising around the video game that intrigued me enough that I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. And then, you know, I, I picked up Blue. I'm pretty sure it was Blue that was like the first one that I got just because Turtle with Cannon on back. I mean, how could I resist? <laughs> like, easy sell. You know, I mean, <laughs> like, how could I not? You know, I, I guess I was sort of odd in that regard because everybody, you know, for the last 20 25 years has been Charizard everything, but, you know, I was one of those oddballs, I guess. And then Yellow came out shortly thereafter, and, you know, they introduced the whole mechanic of Pikachu, like, following you around and being able to interact with them and, like, seeing his, you know, different expressions. Like, if you did something and made him happy, he'd smile, or did something you didn't like, you know, he'd kind of, like, pop up with, like, oh, I'm not too happy with this. That was, like, really kind of cool, and, of course, he would make his signature, you know... I'm not going to do that because my voice doesn't work Pikachu, that way. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I would say from that point on, I was pretty hooked. I mean, I guess back then nobody really knew anything of the advanced. Mecha well, obviously some people did because, I mean, they started with like the competitions pretty early. Like one of my first memories was going to one of those and doing OK. But like nothing wasn't one of those people at that particular point in time who had dissected the video game as much as people do now i became that pretty quickly but then you know i bought all of the subsequent games like at some point in time you had game boy advances had ds's played the versions that were on n64 and then gamecube and there's barely anything in the franchise that i think i haven't played at some point although there are a few kind of notable things that like i kind of avoided things like hey you pikachu or something like i just never um yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know i mean but for the most part if it was if it had pokemon on it i was in and it kind of you know it was one of those things i played heavily up until i started undergrad and you know i told myself like okay i guess i have to be an adult and like like sort of take a pause on all this 
and like you know i ended up giving away a lot of the things that i had built up to that point which in retrospect stupid uh, I know. um but you know i mean it is what it is and then i got to undergrad and i was like oh wait <laughs> there's still plenty of time for video games what the hell was <laughs> i thinking yeah. so then like i went and you know acquired many of those things again as quickly as i could and you know again been going on along with sort of having a career and all those other things ever since and you know i mean it's one of those games that i've always found some time for actually a lot of time (laughs) like you know uh it it's like those games that led me to understand like oh you can max out a game clock and like it just won't stop you like it won't count how much time you spend on the game anymore I've, i've done that pretty much with every generation of the game um so you know I, like yeah, just a huge fan. Do you think that there is a, any any correlation between the collectability of Pokemon and the collectability of vinyl? Because I'm just noticing. Because I know that again with me, it's almost like the same thing. I like to collect vinyl. I like to collect Pokemon. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, have you ever made that connection, or do you ever, as part of the Pokemon experience, I feel like there is a certain completionist, and there's a certain like attitude that a lot of players have which is i like to like i want to collect i want to be able to have all these like tokens and these these pokemon and i'm i'm really obsessed with and getting everything and kind of getting every little one so i'm just wondering have you ever kind of made that connection between vinyl and pokemon maybe kind of flippantly because i mean you're not wrong about that comparison like i guess i don't buy more albums specifically with the thought like i'm you know i'm catching them all because one thing one thing's for damn sure when it comes to music, it's like it's impossible. Like, yeah, unless you're rich and you can basically acquire every single thing, like, even if you had tons of money to throw at it, like, you're limited by what you're exposed to and what you actually, you know, know that you like. There's so much music out there that, like, I, I that's just a impossibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw some documentary or something, not to go too far off topic, about some guy that had like millions of records or whatever and like this gigantic collection it was like somewhere in like south america or something like crazy like that unless you're willing to go there like i i don't think that there's really the gotta catch them all aspect to it however appreciating something that's like extremely rare or like oh my god i just got this like original pressing of something that like you know i guess is sort of like shiny hunting or you know right. it's like it, it there, there's that to it and i think Maybe the fact that I am, you know, found my home in that genre of game probably does speak to the fact that, like, I have a personality that does like to collect certain things. But collecting varies. That's kind of the the beauty of the situation. I think there's, like, multiple different types of collecting, both in music with the vinyl situation and with Pokemon. You either get them all you get a specific group of what you're looking for. Like you like electric Pokemon or you like Herbie Hancock. So you can focus in on, yeah, I've got this live at the Budokan from this artist, as opposed to I'm trying to collect all of the live at the Budokans or all of the live albums. Like it's like, there's the completionist. Mm -hmm. I need everything. There's the completionist for a specific narrow thing. Or then there's just the rare hunting, the shiny Pokemon that you're looking for. Like you just, you're looking for like a certain type 
that's that then kind of narrows it even in further which the beauty of pokemon is that it it bridges all of those itches like for mm-hmm. me and that was going to be my first question to you jason is what is your style of play when you get in there like when you get a new game are you completing the pokedex are you going are you just trying to grab well i i have this familiar group that i've always built myself around or like i like this certain type of pokemon because i know it just wrecks shop whenever i go into any of the gyms like what's your style when you get into it so yeah the, there's definitely layers with the game too right i think for me it's i definitely don't have a set of pokemon that i stick with every time because for like for the story part of the game it's like how can i get through this as quickly and efficiently as possible which often means like okay well i know how at a pretty high level how or actually at a pretty deep level how pokemon works so it's like I can kind of tell which ones are sort of like the the garbage characters and which ones are kind of like meant to be the the tours tour de forces of the game. So it's like, okay, well, how can I get those and then get through the story mode so I could do the more interesting stuff after? I care about the Pokédex only insofar as it allows other things to happen typically. So I yeah, I do end up catching them all, but it's not so much because like I like I care about saying that. It's more so a lot of times like in the games, the shiny charm will be tied to having a complete Pokedex. And I tend to care about that a lot because, you know, I am one of those people that will spend hours trying to breed a specific rare Pokemon. And, you know, for me, too, like, because I'm into the competitive scene somewhat, I mean, a lot less than I used to be, you know, I will try to breed like a competitive, worthy, shiny Pokemon because that's sort of like a flex, right? It's like, not only do I have this very rare thing, but it actually is useful in a competitive space. So yeah, that's kind of the sort of player that I am. So yeah, I'll try to blaze through the story as quickly as I can. I, you know, I'm not like one of those like sadists that will like, okay, well, if one of these guys gets knocked out, like that Pokemon's dead to me, I don't use it anymore. It's more like, okay, let me heal you behind up so I can get behind the, the like the game. I am the sort of person that tries to never have to um, black out or something though. So like, I'm pretty careful about like, okay, I need this much uh, in resources to keep them all healthy at any given point oh, in time. you care about your Pokemon! <laughs> I do, I do. I mean, uh, yeah, so much as, yeah, I do. Uh, I guess on some level. I guess that's my style of play with the game. But, like, I literally was probably playing it a little bit before we got on just because, you know, there are certain Pokemon that I'm still trying to get shiny. But, yeah, I do use them competitively to this day. Uh, and I kind of, there's a part of me that wants to get back into that more highly competitive scene with it but then again i don't know if i want to devote that much energy to it at this point you yeah know. no that's a Fair. valid yeah because it is like i really feel like the pokemon franchise has built itself up to not just a pop culture phenomenon but it's a genuine hobby like mm-hmm. i really feel like it is a hobby not just to say it's even a lifestyle but i really do feel like it is such a there is such a set uh, a, a devoted fan base that it, it like really devotes time to it and i agree with you i totally understand what you mean it's kind of like taking up a hobby like you're like yeah I'd like there's gonna be weekly meets there's gonna be you know monthly meets i'm gonna have to devote a lot of time to this so it's not necessarily that you don't like it as much anymore you're just like especially post-pandemic i find struggling with time management <laughs> i'm like it's easy for me to slip into watching a 14 hour pokemon video game playthrough when i'm like oh i don't have the energy to play it i'll just watch it <laughs> yeah. right no completely anthony what's your history with the game 
Well, interestingly enough, uh, it's very similar trajectory to uh, what Jason had, which was I was aware of the game and it kind of was like in the background. I wasn't necessarily so into playing it, but I really got into the television show, the anime Mm -hmm. um, and the movie. Like I remember um, like the friends I had at the time, we like specifically there was kind of four of us, two males, two females. So. Me and the male were really into Pokemon, and we loved the show. We lined up to see the movie. We were, like, really into that part of it. And then I remember after that, like, as I was kind of, like, into the show and that aspect of it, I think I must have been at, like, Blockbuster Video, and there was an opportunity to play Pokemon Snap. Today's assignment, photograph the elusive Pokemon. How do you do it? You're going to be fast. Ah! You need a keen eye, the best equipment, and lightning quick reflexes! No you don't. All you need is Pokemon Snap, the first Pokemon game for N64. Find them, frame them, and shoot. You can even bring your Snap cartridge to a participating Blockbuster video and print out stickers of your favorites. Doesn't look like they're coming out today. Odd luck. Pokemon Snap, gotta catch them. Mm. Uh, yes. I looked at it and I was like, well this looks like the stupidest thing ever. Cut to two hours, me renting the video game and playing for like seven and a half hours that night. And I was obsessed. I definitely remember even taking it home and be like, okay, it seemed interesting at the store, but like, I really don't think so. And again, it was like that entire night I just played straight through. And it was really my crash course into the video game world of Pokemon. And I'm not a competitive person whatsoever. Like, I don't like sports. I don't like competitive competition. I uh, I like friendly competition, especially, you know, like beauty pageants, like, you know, queer beauty pageants. Like, that kind of stuff is my jam. Like, the stakes are so low that, you, you know, you're not even getting a trophy. It's just audience adulation. Like, that's the kind of competition I'm into. So I was never a really big fan of the whole uh, catching Pokemon and then fighting. And it was really interesting how that was kind of a part of the discussion, I think even of the movie, if I remember correctly, is all about, like, you know, why are Pokemon fighting? And, like, I remember that dialogue happening somewhere in the universe Mm -hmm. that it was, like, Pokemon maybe shouldn't fight. Maybe Pokemon should just, you know, be able to be friends. And Mm -hmm. so I really enjoyed that discourse. And I was like, whoa, this is so interesting that they, like, have this combative experience for gameplay. But now, all of a sudden, Pokemon Snap is chill vibes. And you're just Mm -hmm. looking around at the Pokemon. You're snapping things. And that's where my collecting came into. So, like, the whole concept that you had to go back into the same level and kind of use your different tricks and, like, try and find different Pokemon at different levels and different uh, angles. And that was my thing. I was like, oh, this is so good. The visuals and you're on the track. It was almost like a dark ride. Like, I felt like it was almost a a theme park experience of Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And so I loved the relaxing music. I... I, I love the experience, the visuals, but for me, a big part of the Pokemon, and I still feel this I've, after watching, you know, a walkthrough of the new Pokemon Snap, is one of the big things I love about the Pokemon universe is the sound effects. The music is really fun, and it's always adventurous. I would say with Pokemon Snap, it was a lot more chill adventure, so you're still getting kind of like those roving beats, but it's very relaxing and very, like, gentle, whereas, you know, some of the uh, other games, it's always very like, you're going to look for Pokemon, and so it's got this bumpy, jaunty tunes that you can kind of, that really get you in that... I don't want to say hunting, but you're in that that search mode, and that's what you're looking for. So it really matches it well. Pikachu. 
So I think with the Pokemon Snap, I just became an instant fan. And ironically, I never bought the game, but I played and rented that game so much. Hmm. It just from its release, it was just, unfortunately, one of those games I never bought. But I just, mm-hmm. I would always rent it and come back to it and come back to it. And like soon after I went to university. And so my, you know, again, similar to Jason, my undergrad, I started to distance myself, not distance myself purposefully, but just because I had more responsibilities and things to do and I was an adult I didn't have as much time for video games so uh with the Pokemon franchise I would come back to it sometimes uh it was like when I got my uh my DS uh like later on maybe around 2017 I kind of revisited it on that platform but for me what actually really got me back into it was Pokemon Go The phenomenon that was Pokemon Go. Well, still is. It is. It is still going. And I I still see to this day people walking around and I can tell a Pokemon Go group right away. Uh, And so I loved Pokemon Go. And I still have a lot of respect. I've uh, I've kind of fallen away from it, it, you know, especially with the pandemic. It was really hard. And I remember, you know, a week into it being like, oh, yeah, maybe I should check Pokemon Go. And I was like, oh. Yeah, this isn't going to work for this. (laughs) But when Pokemon Go came out, it was such an instant phenomenon. And there's been very few moments in my life where I feel like, whoa, this is kind of like going to change the trajectory of pop culture. And I remember feeling with Mario, even as a very young child, I remember thinking, like playing that game, being like, whoa, this is really going to like change things. I remember feeling it when I experienced VR for the first time. And I was like, whoa, this is going to change how we play with things. Pokemon Go was the exact same thing. I remember it like that was the first time I'd ever felt like I was actually in a Pokemon game. And the thrill I got from walking around and finding Pokemon in my augmented reality, I have never felt such bliss. And I was such a keener for it. And I love the collecting. I love that. It was all around the neighborhood. I love that I would bump into people and, you know, I'd like, you know, see people moving their phones and I'd look and I'd be like, you're searching, who are you searching for? And we'd have a conversation. So I remember walking a lot, like physical activity, which again, tying back to that notion of what, where Pokemon started from is that he saw these people inside and he wanted kids to go outside. Well, Pokemon Go literally turned it in like that feature onto itself. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I remember the community engagement. I remember the nerds that got together and outside and we were just talking about Pokemon and you would just have the most outrageous fun with a group of people outside that you had never met before. And I'm such a junkie for community development. I love that feel of being able to know the people that are around you, who's there. I want to be involved with the people that surround me. And so that was such a beautiful experience. And again, the music was such a big part of it. Like I would always have, like some people would turn it off and you know, you'd see them like very silently engaging. Uh-uh. I was like, phone on. <laughs> I was like, I want my adventure music. I want to hear the Pokeball open. I want to hear the Pokeball like snap when I finally catch that Mew-F. Like, come on. I want to hear all of my Pokemon love. So I was really into the, the music of Pokemon Go and the experience it brought of that adventurous music and 
me catching a Pokemon in real life. Well, IRL, like, with quotations. <laughs> but yeah, I like, I would actually really like to come back to Pokemon Go. But to be honest, I'm actually starting to feel like I want to come back to the video game series, uh, you know, via even Switch or I've got my DS too. So, or I might even want to revisit, you know, some of the older games. So that was a flyover of kind of my Pokemon experience. But uh, I got to say, it's one of those franchises that kind of surprises me. There's no, there's not more theme park presence. Well, if only you're in Japan. Uh, Right? Like, I want to go to Super Mario World. But yeah, like Disney owns everything. Why would they not have gone over the Pokemon rights? And then you realize, exactly, I think Jason, you know where I'm going with this, which is like Nintendo's got those rights slammed down but Mm -hmm. anthony for what it's worth you know there is a uh theme park for pokemon in japan too yes okay Uh, i have heard of it and i feel like it's listen i don't know how to say this but as a larger person (laughs) theme parks can sometimes not be friendly to my body i think there are rides but there's some other things that you might want to check out if you ever make it out to japan i mean i know i would be there in a heartbeat i mean as a taller person i can also feel your pain you know i mean yeah no, it's some just of like, those same constraints just in a different direction the, it's like exactly we're outside of the normal dimensions <laughs> yeah if and you're again, not five five we're five yeah. <laughs> john how did i get mixed up with you two <laughs> <laughs> Call i mean the, i don't the know big tall you, podcast <laughs> <laughs> i got nothing to contribute to this except your new love of Pokemon. Yes, yeah, so I guess I can go into my history now. Go so, with it. Yeah. I, so I've definitely touched a little bit whenever we've talked about Pokemon that my my interaction with Pokemon has been very very minimal. I touched a little bit in the Game Boy era, but only through a rental. I think I I never purchased a, a physical game, and I only kind of touched base here and there with the anime just because it was on randomly in the the late 90s and again it was kind of the similar story that both of you had said as we're all of the a very similar age so as the the late 90s came around the early 2000s i was getting ready for university and at that point i had already started to kind of get rid of the things that kind of made me quote unquote childish i had sold my super nintendo i had sold my copy of earthbound which was really stupid because that thing's worth a grand now just the cartridge alone and I really regret that. But it was that kind of drift of, all right, well, I need, if I'm going to play video games, I'm going to be a Madden guy and I'm going to play on my PlayStation. And that's what, that's what I'm going to get into, even though I first got my PlayStation to get into JRPGs, which is the, with the Final Fantasy the series. Fantasy, yeah. So Pokemon never really was on my radar, aside from just kind of touch it here, there, uh, occasionally. In preparation for this, I decided to go back. So I was in Japan from 2006 to 2007. I was there for, I think, nine months. And I was teaching English right out of university. And while I was there, I kind of drifted back into my video game playing days. My roommate got me into Xbox 360. I had never seen any kind of next-gen console beyond just PlayStation. I got myself a DS because I knew I was going to be riding the bus everywhere to and from work. And as I got my DS, I decided to get this cartridge called the DS Extreme, which was basically like a a memory stick where I could put ROMs of any Nintendo DS games Hmm. onto it and not have to to purchase it. Because I'm in Japan, I'm not getting English games, so I'm going to have to download these things to be able to play it. So I would play the occasional game here and there, but 
as I kind of have dusted it off in preparation for this and the battery was still good, like yeah. five, six, seven years later, having never like not recharged. I haven't touched it since like the early 2010s, but I decided to fire up Pokemon Diamond. So I decided to drift into Diamond and our conversation about the types of collecting and, and what you want to do kind of speaks true to me because as I'm playing the game, I feel things kind of starting to set off and I'm like four hours into it and I've only got like 11 Pokemon in my Pokedex and I was like, I need to fill this sucker <laughs> up. Like, this is this is not enough. And I'm like, I'm in this one area just around this one town and I'm going in and out of the bushes trying to find myself a wild Abra and just, it keeps on teleporting out of there. And I'm genuinely frustrated with this situation. And it's like, this is going to be a problem. I, I need to figure out how to, how to properly play this or how I need to find my way to play this to get myself into it or else I'm just going to be trying to do whatever I can like to catch as many as I can to catch them all to use the <laughs> phrase and just to try and get all those Pokedex things filled which is why Jason and I asked what type of player you were like what you did in that regard because I'm I'm feeling my way through this it's not something I I want to be completely absorbed in I'm enjoying what I'm playing it's it, it's just I'm trying to figure out what type of player I should be in this and I will never be a like competition level I I will always play this casually but I'm really enjoying getting into it I would say and I think it'll be nice to play it on the device that it was originally meant for with the DS and just to try and kind of pace myself through and get a sense of all right let's really kind of slowly work my way towards my first gym badge and and getting into like the the additional spaces in the Shino yeah, the Shino region or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever it is. So that's kind of what I'm experiencing now. And I think it'll be interesting to try it on like the Switch level as well, because I think later this year they're releasing another pair. It's Scarlet and Violet are coming out sometime late this year. So I think I might want to drift into see what the new generation is doing versus what I'm playing on the DS, but still re remain on the DS just to kind of give it a try to just kind of keep on experiencing what I had missed out when I was kind of at the prime of returning back to video game playing. So just because it's an opportunity to bash uh, capitalism again. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess you're probably, in terms of raw numbers, I have no idea what they are off the top, but Pokemon does this thing where it's like, okay, the Scarlet and Violet that you're talking about is the ninth generation of Pokemon since, like, it came out. Mm -hmm. But as the franchise ages, they will go back and do remakes of previous versions so, like, the Heart Gold and Soul Silver is a remake of the second generation of Pokemon. That's, oh. So, there was, like, Gold, Silver, and Crystal that was, like, the second generation of Pokemon. And Heart Gold and Soul Silver is the remake of that for uh, the DS, the 3DS. I forget which one. So, yeah, I guess it was popular, but it was probably popular in part because it was... Working on this, yeah, yeah, yeah. working on nostalgia and everything, and gotcha. updated because you know if you go back and play though like the original games, if you have the method to, which is another thing that like you know as these platforms sort of age out and like they become a lot less common, unless you've just saved all that hardware and you know the the games, like you can't actually play them anymore. So 
that's also kind of lends itself to their popularity. All that to say that Pokemon, more than a lot of other, maybe Mario Kart is like one of those other things where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they make it and they milk it for as long as they can because like those fans will buy whatever it is as long as it has the name on it. Like, you know, that Pokemon's really good for that. But the fourth generation, which is Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, were really popular uh, for folks that have been following the franchise for a long time. I mean, not the only popular one, but certainly one of the more popular ones. So, And they just were remade on the Switch, so there's that too. Yeah, I feel like that's a big trend that's happening in games right now too, is like this whole re- like remount of games on new platforms. Yeah. But speaking of old hardware, I actually just found my Nintendo DS, and lo and behold, I have Pokemon Black in there. So, yeah, I think that I haven't touched that since like 2017. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll do a little bit of nostalgic digging with my Pokemon Black. Oh. Enjoy. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I think maybe this will be the year of the Pokemon. I got a couple questions that I want to just shoot out to either of you. Probably more so, Jason, just given your history with it. Yes, Team Rocket is gay. <laughs> yes. That's of course. Answer number one, just straight out the door. Yes, they're gay. I'm completely... I mean... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well... Are they? I mean, well, I think they're very queer coded characters. Like, let's not talk about how many times uh, they dress up as ladies or uh, the male gender. The mm. but yeah, sorry, I just, I just, I had to, I had to take that shot. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, maybe I could say that for James, I guess. James, but yes. Jesse, Jesse doesn't give me those vibes. But I could be wrong. I, I you know. All right, that's questions two through five off my list. (laughs) The one thing is, it's more mechanical. Like, it's, should I be running a ton in this game from just random encounter battles? Like, I'm just trying to to get a sense of, like, I'm running into a lot of Bidoofs and Starlies and Magikarps in, like, my first sort of four or five hours into the game. But of course, I'm I'm treating it very similar to how I've always treated my play of JRPGs. Like I'll just I'll get into the fight and I'll do it. But when I do it in in Pokemon, because it's it feels like resources are so limited. Like the amount of money that you get from trainer battles is pretty minimal, and I'm not finding a ton of like potions or antidotes or things. So I'm always like running back to the town, going into the training center or the the Pokemon center, like getting my guys rested and then going back out. Should I be running a ton in this game or like is that kind of abnormal to be kind of thinking about when it comes to just the the random in the weeds encounters? So you in the game, I think almost by design, you run a lot. But I'm I I guess it the answer is it sort of it depends, too, because, well, why are you spending a lot of time in the same place? Because like the way Pokemon works is like, you know, different routes and whatnot will have specific Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And once you've caught all the Pokemon there is to catch in a particular route, unless you are trying to grind up a some of your characters in particular ways, which we don't have to delve into because that's probably way more information than you want to know, there's really no reason to stay in a particular route past that point. Like once you've caught all the Pokemon or unless you're trying to train, you just, okay, great. I've, I've, I've picked up all the items. I've caught everything there is to see here. Moving on. 
Yeah. yeah, for me, it was more I was re- I was remaining just outside of this one town because I saw that wild Abra just kind of show up and I wanted to catch one of those. So I was just remaining here. But around that, it's all of these other just sort of low level fights. And it kind of then lends me into the next question. I don't want to stick around in these fights too long because my what I have researched and what I've heard and people talking about it is that as your Pokemon evolve, they tend to get worse Jason, do you prescribe to to that attitude? Because what I'm hearing from is no. that people say like as they get get on like get into their second or third evolution that they're not the great character that you want to keep on playing with. Uh, well, no? I think that's true for like that might be true for like one or two Pokemon, but I would think that if you're building up a specific one, that mm-hmm. it would always be on an upward trajectory, so that your right. Pokemon is evolve- evolving strength wise. Right. Um, yeah, and I think that's what I would think. There's almost, I can't think of any example of a Pokemon that is weaker in its final form than its initial form. Like, even if that Pokemon isn't great, its final form is going to be better Yes. Mm-hmm. than where it starts out at. Yeah, and that's why I thought the discussion was weird from what I was hearing from other podcasts and other places that I was doing a little bit of searching into, like the the region that I started out with in Diamond and what I should be expecting. Like it was just kind of this odd sort of, well, as they evolve, they get, it's not worse in sense of statistics. It's just kind of in what you're trying to do battle-wise, they, they're saying that it gets worse. So I was just kind of really mm. weirded out about that situation. I would definitely agree with Jason, though, that like sticking to one area, you're going to like deplete your resources and if anything i would say the pokemon you're trying to catch is going to even show up less likely so i would say almost go beyond or keep going and then mm-hmm. once you do two or three more sections go back to that first section and revisit and then see if you get the abra again like that's how i play is that i definitely like uh, especially if there's a keen area or if i do see something like that i'll play once or twice but then usually i'm moving on after that and i'm going on and then i will go back after two or three times and i'll be like all right let's go through it again just to see and then i'll go even further and then i come back to another point when i kind of go forward but I'm also, that's the way I kind of do Zelda in the same way. It's like, I like, it's almost like I have a structured plan that is like, all right, I'm going to cover this area. And then I reapproach it where I'm like, all right, I'm going to recover the last part of the area and the new area. And then I'm like, oh, I'm very logistical and mathematical with it sometimes, even though I don't know how to do math. And that might be what I'm going to have to switch my mind from because I was just coming out of like going back into Breath of the Wild and because I've played through Breath of the Wild a bunch, I'm trying to now do Korok seed searching and I'm I'm sticking to a region. Yes, and, and you're like picking up every that. stone exactly. and you're going through. No, 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 no. With Pokemon, it's all about exploring. Explore. Yeah. Pokemon is very much, I mean, God, it is a math heavy game. So, you know, a lot of routes, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily dropping knowledge here, but a lot of routes will have certain Pokemon that show up at very, very low probability. Like, say, if you're thinking about like, a pie you have two or three pokemon that maybe show up like anywhere from like 10 to 25 percent of the time like it's going to be like one of those like but then you may have a pokemon in a particular location that maybe shows up three percent of the time and you really have to go through a lot of matches to find that pokemon and god forbid you care about stuff like shininess or in that version diamond you know like they introduced uh natures and whatnot like if you care about a particular Pokemon having a particular nature or something like that, ability not so much, but nature, then it's like, oh, you might actually have to do, like, check a bunch. But especially early on in the game, you don't really have the resources to do that. Later on, 
you'll probably find that you're swimming in yes. resources and then it's like whatever you want to do you can do but and then that's early when on I go back like exactly with the early on i kind of i try to move as forward as much as possible because you do tend to collect more resources as you go and then i'll go back once i have those resources and revisit the areas and then that's when i'm trying to fill in gotcha okay i'll give that a go then i had one more question but i completely forgot it yeah it's gone doesn't matter is it why does meowth talk in the show and no other pokemon do that's a good that's a good one i always ask that it was like that is a really good question i I certainly don't know the answer why is that one meowth gets a chance to voice nobody else does i mean we get pika pika and then he's like having full conversations with team rocket i I, i'm fascinated (laughs) maybe it wouldn't appeal to uh english-speaking uh audiences without a talking yeah. meowth. I don't know. I think that's probably the only good reason for it to be honest. <laughs> Potentially. You need your wisecracker. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do either of you have favorite Pokemons or just things that you are ones types that you always kind of latch on to? Well, sort of. I mean, I do have one Pokemon that I think I like more than any other, but there are lots of different Pokemon to like for different reasons. So I actually picked this up the other day. My favorite Pokemon is probably Dragonite. Um, oh, yes. Um, just because it's like really the first dragon that was introduced in Pokemon or whatever. And it just, I don't know. I mean, like kind of it has a derpy appearance appearance but he's kind of cute and um i don't know like i just yeah i i I dig dragonite i don't know beyond that though there's so many different pokemon that i like for different reasons um and i don't know that it necessarily falls easily into like oh this is the my favorite pokemon it's like okay if i'm battling other people like these are some of the goat sort of the standards or yeah i don't know or some that i just sort of really like the look of but I would say my favorite is probably Snorlax. Okay. (laughs) It's such a... I really appreciate his energy. (laughs) I really appreciate his candor. (laughs) I mean, you know... He's a big, fat bear. (laughs) Given some of the conversations we've had in the past, that makes perfect sense. Exactly, right? On brand. Let's touch briefly onto the music side of it. So from what I've researched, like the early games, all the music stems from one guy. And he kind of was a programmer for the game. He did the music. And now he's kind of been more of the supervisor of future games music. And that's Junichi Masuda. He had the same mentality as the uh, as Tajiri. He, he went into the uh, programming of Pokemon with this team, with this same idea he grew up collecting bugs collecting like fish uh, like just doing lots of nature stuff and he found that that was still lacking so i think what tajiri was putting out with the idea of bringing kids back into this kind of idea of a more naturalistic sort of play style he was really on board with it and i think his work with the music i mean it's quite legendary the themes still hold true from blue and red all the way up until today and there people identify the themes quite consistently or from what i my perception is jason what's your interaction with the music from the games and how it's kind of evolved and is that something i know anthony you said you cranked that music up you want to hear the sound effects as you've kind of played a ton of these jason do you 
mute it and put on something else? Like, what's your thing? I, you know, for this, I tried to go back and listen to some of the music sort of separate from the, the gameplay. And I think in the moment when I was playing each of those games, like the music was kind of cutesy, it was novel. It was one of those things where because I was doing some of the same actions over and over and over again, especially in the 8-bit portion of the gameplay, like it was just something to kind of get past quickly because you can only hear it but so many times you know one thing that i noticed as i was like listening back to the old music that after the second generation like the music got tremendously better like nothing against the folks that really sort of nerd out on the 8-bit side of things but like in terms of arranged music like that's uh the third generation is kind of where that got introduced and it just got more interesting i think as the generations got wore on You know, some of those, like, especially in the first generation, the music's pretty iconic. Like, it, it really is, like, you know, like the cycling road, sort of like the dun 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 Like, you know, all those sort of, those, you hear it and you know exactly what you're listening to. The sound effects are, yeah, they're they're great, but, you know, like, there's only but so many times you can hear that dun 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 you know, like, in the middle of a Pokemon battle before, like, you do kind of tune it out. But, you know, I mean, the sound of uh, throwing a, a Pokeball and, you know, the Pokeball closing or, like, rattling and then closing on, you know, it would be hard to imagine the game without any of that because it's just, it's it's a pretty fundamental part of the whole experience. But even, like, now with, like, the, the latest installments of the game, like, I don't even find myself paying that much attention to the like sword and shield music um it's there it's cool but yeah like i found even with the pokemon new pokemon snap i i really enjoyed the music it was very lulling it was very soft it's very like again it was just gentle music in the background but it was never something that i was like oh yeah i gotta go put this on spotify like yeah Mm -hmm. i want to listen to that um so i think it fits the gameplay yeah but you know there 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 are a few times where like the game does some interesting things with the music where it's like oh okay well you're trying to convey a point and like you know f- even like from the first generation when you get to Lavender Town like it really is pretty creepy right you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it, that that music is pretty different from everything else and you know that there's something sort of dark um, and sinister yeah, like off. going on here. But yeah, it's it's nothing that I would sort of consciously be like, yeah, like Anthony said, oh, let me find this playlist and just sort of like vibe out to it. But I can also appreciate at the same time, like when you get to some of those like YouTube channels and like they'll throw on like a stylized version of like one of those more iconic route or city themes. It's like, oh, that's cool. I like what they did there. I was just going to say, I think if ever 
because uh, I know Toronto Symphony Orchestra uh, will sometimes host other orchestras uh, that are touring with video game soundtracks. So I've seen The Legend of Zelda. Um, I've had friends see The Final Fantasy. If there's ever a Pokemon uh, orchestra, I would 1000% go because I think that would be really good is like to hear the Pokemon music, especially with mm-hmm. a live orchestra. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes, please. I would like it. We will conclude our Pokemon conversation there. I will report back as I continue on through Diamond. And as new as the new ones come out, or as Anthony, as you're going through them, Jason, mm-hmm. as you go through the new ones that come out, by all means, let's continue the conversation later on. Maybe it'll be what you listen to and what you play in mm-hmm. as we talk oh, to later. Yes. There we go. See, we're always at, we're innovating here in season three. Look at us <laughs> go. We're pros now. Exactly. Right, right. Oh. Experts. Speaking of what you guys are playing, because I think this will resonate with all of you, are you guys tracking the new uh, TMNT for the Switch that's coming at yes, some point later I this am. year? Yes. That video, that arcade style. Oh, yes, please. Yes, and I, I would imagine that um, the music might be kind of pleasant for that, too. I, would I bet agree. it's going to be good. Uh-oh, I think you just might have come up with an episode. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, there's some... I've got some good history with the TMNT games, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. For absolutely going all the way back to the first NES game. And, oh, so good. Oh, yes. I was a huge fanboy of the, the first uh, arcade. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Version that they had. That was... That, that took many quarters. Many, many quarters. Well, there we go. Shock. <laughs> <laughs> Look for that in the future, for sure. Oh, for, yes. Yeah. Let's wrap it up there, or else we're going to go down another rabbit hole of another nostalgic, wonderful property that's being reimagined for mm-hmm. our our new devices but uh i think what we'll do is stop there we'll thank everyone for listening as usual um we're happy to be back here in season three we've got some really interesting topics on the horizon here so look forward to that the way that you make sure that you're updated on what we're doing is by subscribing to us uh, on your podcast app of choice uh, you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify google play amazon music uh we're everywhere you can find podcasts we really appreciate any subscribers and if you're listening to us on either Spotify or Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a, a five-star review. That would be much appreciated. You can find us on our Twitter and Instagram accounts at EvenTheScorePod. And, of course, we'd always love to hear from you, uh, our interactions with our uh, Twitter accounts, our polls. When we did our TV theme song bracket, we had over 5,000 people voting on our polls. So thank you very much for that. And, of course, you can always interact with us on what we're doing over there. Of course, I want to thank Jason and Anthony for joining again here at the beginning of Season 3. Thank you very much to you both. You're very welcome. Yeah, this is swell. Or as Pikachu would say, Pikachu. (laughs) And it means everything. Yeah, exactly. That means like thank you and Pikachu. Mm-hmm. Well, on that uh, wonderful note, we will end the episode there. Thank you very much for listening. Take care and pika pika. Huh? <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> <laughs>